the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. 602-508-0960. Uh, your hour. Feel free to call in. I um, I thought I'd have more takers on that question. We played Forever Young earlier by Bob Dylan, later made more famous by Rod Stewart. And the person who proffered that song to us said it's the most conservative song in rock and roll. And uh, query, is it? Is there a more conservative song than Forever Young in rock and roll? So you can't use country music. A. B. Is Bob Dylan rock and roll? That's, that's a, it's a good cultural question. I don't know how to answer it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but we're happy to talk about anything here. And wait till I play you some audio about what's going on at the border as well in a few moments. But first, Robert is in Mesa. Hello, Robert. Hello, Seth. How are you? I'm doing just fine, sir. How are you? Happy Thursday. First of all, Bob Dylan is more folk. That's what I thought. Yeah. And and it and to determine forever young is rock and roll or whatever. Really, any song it depends on the arrangement, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. But I'm just—is there anything Bob Dylan did that would be considered rock? And I don't, I don't. I I mean, I, I I think of him as a folk singer. You know, all all rock is, stems from blues. Yeah, and so a lot of folk stems from blues, and a lot of country stems from blues. Yep, yep. So it's really it really depends on the arrangement and the artist and how he presents it. And have you could you could you identify a Bob Dylan song that is presented as rock and roll, off the top of your head? I cannot. Mm, not off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, Forever he may Young have the 4-4 four, four time signature, but it needs more than that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it needs that uh, that backbeat. It does need that backbeat, yeah. It needs that backbeat. Anyway. Anyway, and it needs Kessler a strong electric guitar. It needs a strong electric guitar. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Kessler was excellent. He sure he was. Uh, boy, points. he sure was. It's a, such a good book. Such a good book. And, and I'm I'm diving into that book now. Um, hey, where can you get a 1776 commission report? Such a great question. All right. So for the audience that doesn't know, we were just talking about it. Among other things, Professor Kessler was one of, excuse me, one of the key architects of the 1776 commission and its report. As he said, it was uh, it was put out just a couple of days before the Biden inauguration. And I think it was the Biden administration's really one of their first acts to get rid of it, to scrub it off the White House website even. I remember trying to I remember accessing it when it first came out on day one through the White House website, the whitehouse.gov. And the next day it was gone. They just they just talk about memory hole, talk about George Orwell. Excuse me. Sorry, got a frog in my throat. They um, they scrubbed it. They canceled it. But thank goodness. Well, yeah, no, you can get it. There's there's the best defense. The best defense against any uh, any idea is erasure of the opposite idea. I, I would think so. 
the best way to get it, 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 it whether you use Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever, <clears throat> just do this. Just put in the search term thefederalist.com. That's a website, thefederalist.com, and the 1776 report. There's, th- that's one of many sites that will bring it right up. Thefederalist.com uh, has it. And <clears throat> as I was saying to Charles, it's uh, partially tongue-in-cheek but partially not. It might be the best government publication since 1787. It's not long. It's only about 40 pages or so. And in those 40 pages, you get the meaning of the Declaration. You get the meaning of the Constitution. You get takes, scholarly takes, on the challenges that people throw at our founding, from slavery to you name it, racism. And then you get you know, um, all kinds of obvious appendix, appendices, you know, to help people and students study our founding and our history. It's really a wonderful document. Well, hey, thank you very much, Seth. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you, sir. You too. 602-508-0960. Okay, what's my old trumpet teacher telling me? He texted me, Greg... Smith, my old trumpet teacher, listens and texts. It needs more cowbell to be rock and roll. Yes, I agree with that. It needs an electric guitar, cowbell, and a screaming trumpet section. What did Steve Martin need in The Jerk? A lamp? All he needed in life, what was it? A remote? What? His paddle game? A lamp? And the remote control. That's all he needed in life. All rock and roll needs is an electric guitar, cowbell, and a screaming trumpet section, the kind of which in which uh, Greg used to uh, participate. Okay, well, there it is from a music teacher. Bob is in Phoenix. Hi, Bob. Hi, Seth. Hey, um, I only know a little bit about this, but it's on, like, the national stuff, or, you know, the national news is talking about it. Um, the Department of Education here in Arizona has just recently got up something where you you're already a racist at three months yes old. sir yes sir <laughs> and that whole thing I, did, I don't know the details of it i don't know how far it's gone um i get uh your, i just want your opinion yeah i know pretty far and and uh uh charlie kirk was talking about it on his show i made mention of it earlier and yesterday a little bit um but uh the best piece on this is uh if you want to write this down um it's uh spectator.us and it's an essay titled, Is Your Three-Month-Old Baby Racist? Obviously, the answer will not surprise you. But that's what they're teaching. And why wouldn't they here? Why wouldn't they make that part of the curriculum here when you have Netflix now giving a course um, from Ibrahim Kendi of Boston University to toddlers on how to ensure they aren't racist? Uh, toddlers. Um, but... It, this is one of the most uh, – how was I putting it with a listener earlier? I was saying this earlier with a listener in the previous hour, Bob. I was saying, you know, what a shame that we can just – you know, so many of us thought we could just, you know, wake up, go on with our lives, send our kids off to school, come home. You know, we're stressed enough. You know, the washing machine breaks, you deal with that. A doctor's appointment, you deal with that. But, you know, you just expect when you send your kids to school – you know, from whatever it is, eight to eight to three, things are going to be okay. And it turns out they're not. It might be one of the most morally damaging or dangerous places for those children 
during any given day. Because of this kind of crud, a lot of parents are now discovering and have had the leisure of uh, being able to discover over this past year uh, where a couple of things came to light. One was more and more parents were able to see what their kids were doing because they were doing it from home rather than from in class. Two, they got to see what the teachers' union's real concerns were, and it wasn't about students and it wasn't about teaching, and it was contrary to everything parents and students would want. And three, it it gets us in combining those two things plus these kinds of crap curricula that we're now becoming aware of or that more and more people are becoming aware of, I should say. It kind of gets us to this new place in um, the education reform discussion because we're, 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 we're walking on a razor's edge here where we say we want the schools back open and our kids back in school and then realizing that what they're going to get curriculum-wise is going to be um, not only undermining of everything or most things that our parents would want their kids to have, but undermining really of what the whole purpose of public education is, which is, in, uh, among other things, to instill an appreciation and preparation of and for citizenship. And it does the opposite, teaching basically doctrines that could have come out of the Third Reich, honestly. Honestly, doctrines that could have come out of the Third Reich, uh, re-racialization, racial, um, racial uh, uh, um, not sensitivity, but racial instruction, where once upon a time there was none because the idea was that we were human beings and not racial beings. So, you know, I have one, one yeah, well, let me make, make one more point and then I'll let you talk. We have okay. plenty. This is a great issue and I, I'm not being as articulate as I want to about it. So let me have one more stab at it, which is sure, this. No it's this. When we talk about or at least when I talk about opening up the schools and getting the kids back in the classrooms, I still do think it's supremely important for the social aspects more so than the pedagogical. Anyway, your turn, sir. Hey, um, um, what it, what happens if an Asian infant, uh, Hispanic or black infant, do they, are they the same way? In three months, you can tell that all of a sudden they're racist, or it doesn't work that way, does it? No, it does not, sir. Because there's 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 under the new instruction and the new dispensations, you have to understand something that I thought we ended in 1945. And that's that there are preferred races and less preferred races. And that race can determine your form and way of thinking. I thought it ended in 1945 at Nuremberg. I certainly thought it ended in Washington, D.C. in 1963. Or certainly, if not by then, with the Civil Rights Act of 1964. But no, sir. We're unlearning all the great things we've learned and we're teaching all the bad things we shouldn't. It's a sad thing. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I, um, I wanted to read this to you, but... Okay, first let's do that. Yeah, Alan and Phoenix. Great. Alan, hi. Welcome. How are you, sir? Doing well, Seth. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Bob Dylan's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he left folk behind when he went electric. 
and uh, the big rock and roll number, I would say, is Subterranean Homesick Blues. Subterranean Homesick Blues, which is a blues song that you're telling no, me is a rock really, and roll song. It really song. isn't. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, okay. I don't know. So I guess Cream isn't rock and roll. Oh, either. all right, all right, all right, fine. Fine. Later. No, that's good. All right. I will take that instruction from you, Alan. There are people who know more about this than I, and Alan is one of them. Bless you, sir. Okay. We solved that uh, major conundrum. We have other conundrums to solve. Is Joe Biden a Nazi? Spiked Magazine asks because he's doing a lot of the same things, they write, that the previous incumbent of the White House did, and that guy was always being called a Nazi. Remember when Donald Trump's administration incarcerated kids who had illegally crossed the Mexican border? That was literally fascism. These children-packed detention centers were concentration camps, said Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Trump is taking the world back to the 1930s, said an editorial of a major newspaper. Or how about when Donald Trump dropped bombs in the Middle East? He was, brought in an, he was um, branded an insane warmonger. This is the imperial logic of his alt-right leanings, we were told. As for his administration's targeting of Iranian forces, in particular, in particular Iran's top military commander killed by an American bomb in January of last year, that was held up by leftists and liberals as proof of how deranged Donald Trump had become. World War III, hashtag World War III, trended on Twitter. Contention between the U.S. and Iran spark World War III, asked one headline. Trump was always either embodying the evils of the Second World War or propelling humanity into a third, no? As for his bully boy tactics with the press, for journalists in particular, this was a technicolor piece of evidence of his fascistic tendencies. Trump's mockery of CNN and the New York Times, who he frequently wrote off as fake news, was Straight out of 1930s Germany, apparently. Trump's war of words against fake news, his desire to punish and censor the press for allegedly promoting misinformation, made him literally Hitler. Hitler also used the idea of fake news to attack journalists, Yale professor Timothy Snyder told us. And now, well now, Biden and some of his top advisors and supporters are doing all of the above. Caging kids from Mexico, bombing the Middle East, demanding that the fake news media be reined in. But apparently it isn't fascism anymore. It's normal politics. It's sensible policy. Isn't that amazing that policies can switch from being literally Nazism to being standard American government action, depending on the name and party of this person signing them off? Yes, the Biden administration really is doing all of the above. Unaccompanied youths who cross the border from Mexico are being incarcerated. Kids aged 13 to 17 are being banged up. Towards the end of February, the Biden administration reopened detention centers for immigrant kids in both Texas and Florida. Kids in cages, I hear you ask? Of course not. These are simply immigrant youth in overflow facilities. That's the language being used. Out has gone CNN's hand-wringing over kids in cages and those staged photos of AOC weeping outside those concentration camps and those broadsheet editorials about how putting child migrants into camps has echoes of the 1930s. Now all the talk is of overflow facilities designed to assist unaccompanied young arrivals. 
You really can't make this stuff up. Democrat New York Mayor Bill de Blasio described the Homestead facility in Florida as a prison camp when the Trump administration was putting unaccompanied youths in there. He hasn't said a word since the same facility was reopened by the Biden administration for the same exact purpose. By golly, you'd almost think Bill de Blasio doesn't have any principles. And don't fall for the claims being made by self-styled fact-checkers who insist there's a massive difference between what Trump did at the border and what Biden is doing. The Trump administration separated kids from their parents as well as incarcerated on a company's kids, where the Biden folks are only doing the latter, incarcerating the unaccompanied kids. So shut up. That's their message. It's pretty unconvincing. The unhinged 1930s exploiting fury over the Trump administration's antics at the border was not only about family separation, it was also about the very active incarcerating young people. It was about the prison camps themselves, as de Blasio, AOC, and thousands of weeping journalists referred to them. And now these same people are saying nothing or are nodding along with the idea that it is fine to put children in overflow facilities. Those are the facts. Last week, Biden bombed Iranian-backed forces in Syria. At least 22 people were killed. World War III? No, 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 no. This was a nice military attack. One of those decent democratic ones, don't you know? Quote, so different having military action under Biden, close quote, said one American author. No middle school level threats on Twitter. Trust the competence of a Biden and his team. Hey, American presidents, it's fine to kill foreigners. Just don't write a tweet about it, okay? That's the new rule. Even supposedly more radical people were soft on Biden after he dropped his first bombs. They didn't take to the streets to denounce this evil president for potentially stoking up World War III. No, they made memes saying, you should be writing me a stimulus check, not bombing the Middle East. That's what their big concern was. Then there's the assault on fake news, which I'll talk about when we come back, and we will be right back. As we go to break, let me put in a word for my favorite product, Balance of Nature, sponsor of portions of this show. I take it every single day. Three red capsules. If you don't like swallowing these vegetarian capsules, which are easy to swallow, but if you don't, you just don't. Some people don't. You can open them up easily and sprinkle them and drink or food. But what you get with that one daily dose is 10 servings of fruits and vegetables, tens of thousands of vital nutrients from powerful, potent stuff like garlic and cayenne pepper and spinach and mango and oranges and blueberries and apples and papaya and pineapple. It improves your health like no other product I know of on the market, and it boosts your immunity like no other product I've been endorsing or taking. I love this product, Balance of Nature. I really do. It's kept me well for over a year when I usually do get sick a few times a year. They have free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or to go to balanceofnature.com. In both cases, make sure to use discount code BALANCE. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Dave's in surprise. Hi, Dave. 
Good afternoon, teacher. Thanks for taking the call. You bet. How's the new job working out? Oh, I'm so blessed. Good. They uh, they really need somebody with my skill set, so Good. I'm glad that uh, I was placed there. Good. Good. Yeah, thanks for remembering. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, so with today's topic, I, I think it goes back to what we, we the collective, we talked about um, back before impeachment, during impeachment, after impeachment. Unfortunately, it's, it's the establishment politicians and the establishment itself, Twitter, social media, um, all of the above, just working against the common man. And, and they utilize hypocrisy, lies, and projection. And it's just it's evident every day with the Biden administration. It's so depressing. Note, too, Dave, that they have contempt for that which makes them elite. In other words, without the common man using their services and buying their products, they don't have their millions and billions. It's a really kind of interesting thing where you have it's, – it's a small – it's a microcosm perhaps of – the same thing in politics. The contempt the left has for America while using the very instrumentalities that only America can afford them to declaim against America, if that makes sense. They, 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 they despise this country but utilize the guarantees and rights given to them to articulate such despisement just as the social big tech and other elites despise the common man while happily taking the money they spend on their wares, right? Yeah, and, and the parallel, of course, to that is economic. Mm-hmm. We have economic freedom through capitalism, and that allows them to come up with their socialistic, Marxist, communist ideas so to redistribute it. Yes. Right? Yes, of course. Of course, the whole point being that some ideas, some economic ideas are so costly, only a socialist could afford them. What do I mean by that old joke? Well, I mean, here's what I mean, right? It's funny, but it's true in the sense that they can only be afforded by confiscatory measures or distributionist measures, however you want to call it. But no one in their right mind who understands balance and profits and losses and true commitments and responsibilities could propose this kind of nonsense, right? You have to be in education a long time to become that student. Yeah, that's another way to put it. That's what they've done. Yeah, that is what they've done. Yep, yep, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right, Dave. It won't last long, I predict. Um, You and I may disagree on that point, but I'm going to be optimistic about it. It won't last long because I think the American people are still fundamentally a fair and just people. I was talking with Professor Kessler off air about the most underreported story of the 2020 election. And it's that Californians by over a million votes turned down race preferences at the ballot box in November in California in 2020. They had the opportunity to overturn what's known as the Civil Rights Act or the Civil Rights Initiative in California. And if they overturned it, racial preferences would have come screaming back 
in places like higher education. Californians defeated it by over a million votes despite being outspent 20 to 1. What's, what, what, what's the import of that? The import, the import of that is that on certain things, I think you're seeing it with COVID too, by the way, on certain things, COVID, race, people are just getting sick and tired of it. They're just getting sick and tired of it. And after two years of living under this kind of regime, Dave, I think they're going to come screaming back and fighting back for their liberty like they did with the Gingrich Revolution of 94 and like they did with the Tea Party Revolution in 2010. We have to learn from our mistakes, though, which is once we have those revolutions, should we have them? How do you save them? How do you preserve them? How do you extend them? Whatever we call our movement, call it a MAGA revolution, whatever you want to attach the name to it or whatever name gets attached to it in two years, the only question I'll be asking is how to save it because I don't ever want to call again that says whatever happened to the Tea Party. I don't want that call. I want it to be so dominant that we become the new elites. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature, my favorite product, all-natural vine-ripened fruits and veggies picked at their peak of ripeness, no sugars, no chemicals, no GMOs, put into the, um, into the vegetarian capsules using their unique cold-pressed process that preserves the nutrient value, the, nat- the nutritional value of this great potent fruits and veggies, apples, aloe vera, cherry, mango, oranges, cayenne pepper, spinach, wheatgrass, kale, celery. Just fantastic. And um, it'll boost your immunity. It'll keep you healthy. It'll give you energy. A lot of my friends tell me they uh, take it first thing in the morning after a hard night. And uh, it's uh, it, gets them, it gets them going and forgetting that hard night and how that can... Uh, Leave a, uh, leave a mark on you. It takes away that mark. It's just fantastic. It's 10 servings of fruits and vegetables in one daily dose. I take it with me everywhere I go, and I take it every day. They're offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code BALANCE. It's good and good for you. Good for you because of the obvious nutrient and nutritional value. Good, because you're supporting a company that supports you and us. John is in Peoria. Hi, John. Seth, long time no talk to, my friend. I know. I was asking about you, Bill, honestly. Um, Wasn't I asking about John yesterday? I was. I said, where's John? That's so cool that you were thinking about We got a telepathic thing going on. Well, I was thinking about you because we were talking about lobster tanks. Oh, re- wow. And you know what's so funny? You talk about lobster tanks. I know a guy that raises lobsters for fish tanks. Raise- and he's also a gunsmith. Well, give, the gunsmith thing, hold on that a minute. What do you mean raises lobsters for fish tanks? He raises lobsters, beautiful colored lobsters. Oh, like you mean for decoration? Colors? To look at? Not well, to eat? Not to eat. Well, he eats some of them, but <laughs> but the beautiful ones he sells for other for other people's fish tank for freshwater fish tanks here. 
He's in uh, he's in Peoria, Arizona. All right. After this call, uh, stay on the line. I want Bill, my producer, to get his name and number. Get it to Jim Ryan, the general manager. We need a fish tank here with that lot with those in them, so that we lobster. can say we have a lobster tank at Long Glass. Never mind restaurant. Yeah, well, you you, go, you, you probably could uh, because um, I tried to spice up this office a little bit, John, with getting some goldfish uh-huh. and a goldfish uh-huh. bowl. And I guess I erred because I got fish that kill each other. And well, no, let me tell you about that, too. I'm going to surprise you. Go okay. ahead and say, finish what you said. I'm well, I, you know, I, I thought I would do something nice for the office one day, and I went to the pet store, and I got some what I thought were goldfish that would live fine, like guppies or whatever. I don't know. We all did it in the second uh-huh. grade. You bring them home in the bags. You put them in. End of story. You put it on the front desk here, the, well, the reception desk. An hour later, one was dead. The other one was full. And I don't know what became of him. I think I think I think our receptionist took him home because they thought, you know, he needed isolation or something. I named him. I named him Goldie and Ronnie. Goldie and Ronnie, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it was the tank? Maybe wasn't big enough. I don't think it was that. Honestly, I think I got sold. Bill, do you have any intel on what happened here? They were beta fish, whatever that means. Something I never knew was a thing. And evidently, well, beta fish at, kill each other. Well, I, you hear about the Siamese uh, uh, fighting fish, correct? Are, yes. Are I, you familiar? I, no, but I'll take your word. I can envision what that means. They fight. Yeah, they fight. Yeah, and then supposedly they kill each other. You can't keep two of them together in one tank. Well, this guy's got, I mean, he's got a, a natural way about him. He can literally get those, he, he's gone to some of places that sell fish and he's able to get these fish supposedly that you can't keep together but he gets them in a tank that's big enough and he creates such an environment in that tank with plants and the like yeah this is what we need i want this on our reception area desk so we can say no longer question where you go to see a lobster tank we'll have one right here i think this would be great Exactly. And listen to this. Exactly. These you were going to say exactly. Fish, it would be great. That's what you were going to agree with me. No, 100 yeah. percent. I do agree. Yeah. And here, here's the thing. These fighting fish supposedly would kill each other, if they, but they're able to coexist beautifully in that tank together. OK. With, with all kinds of other fish and snails and lobsters. I mean, this guy's really. Can really we go out with talent. Octopus's Garden by Ringo Starr, Bill? Will you go out? We cannot go out with Octopus's Garden, but this sounds beautiful, John. You have no, indeed it is, and indeed and, and it also is. Also, he's a gun, and he's a gunsmith. And he's, you want to get that in there? I okay, fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and he's, he's a gunsmith. And he's got a fe- and he's got a federal firearms license. Okay, too, so I mean, <laughs> he's multi-talented. Okay. <laughs> No, I've always wondered why people would go for things where death is in the name, you know, fighting (laughs) fish. Maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe, maybe, you know, we shouldn't be surprised when a killer whale takes out someone at SeaWorld. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't be surprised by that. It's in the name. No. It's in the name. That's true. Yeah, okay. That's part of their nature. That's what I'm thinking. That's part of their nature. Anyway. Was I going to... What was I going to say? Here's the deal. I kind of I, I, here's a good laugh for you. Okay. And actually, I had a good laugh. It's kind of a little bit of self-deprecation in, involved here. 
I, you recall when I called you and we talked, and when I was telling you I, was, I patronized uh, um, two of your sponsors? Yes. Epic Times, and you know the other sponsor, uh, Solar Sandy? Yeah. Anyhow, we were talking, and I was saying patronized, patronized, instead of patronized, right? Well, I, I just, and, I just yeah, yeah, sure, okay. And then one of your other callers called up, and it kind of, you know, made a jest about it. And I kind of, you know, I, I felt embarrassed for a second, but then I laughed it off, and I was saying, man, I should have said patronize instead of patronize. Do you remember that day? Or I, I vaguely remember it, yes. Yeah, and but the funny thing about it was for a couple of nights after, I was thinking, man, I called Seth, and I, I mispronounced, you know, I was thinking that. You're, think, you're the only one thinking about it, brother. I, it didn't, it, I didn't even blink an eye over it. Yeah, but it was kind of funny because the next caller had called you. But then I told one of my family members, and they said, no, 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 no. And my brother-in-law used to be a spelling bee champion. He's 33 years in the military, but when he was a kid, he was a spelling bee. And he said, the English, the British, uh, uh, say patronize, and it, uh, uh, it means the same thing as patronize. Okay, here's my deal. I have to hit a break. I'm over time. Call me tomorrow, John. I want, tomorrow's Friday. I would love to chat more with you. I want to hear more about everything including politics. Call me tomorrow. We'll be right back. Tina in Star Valley writes, Seth Beta, pronounced Beta, that's funny, are Siamese fighting fish. Very pretty, but not very social with their own kind. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd love to hear from you, Tina. Give us a call tomorrow. Tomorrow's a good day for it. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us, all of you. Crisis of the Two Constitutions, Charles Kessler's book. I just can't tell you enough about it. I really can't. I can't say enough about it. It's the book you want. It explains everything we're in. I'll give you his last two paragraphs in the book, the conclusion which is titled Thinking About Trump. Increasingly, the effect of higher education is to turn our own children into aliens and hostile ones at that. In truth, the difficulties of assimilating today's immigrants are due mainly to us, not to them. They are reluctant, mostly because they are learning from us that America is not a country worth assimilating to. Donald Trump took an unflinching proud stand against the multicultural dissolution and loathing of America. In that sense, he was a pro-immigration politician. Great again, America would be a country worth immigrating to. To make us love our country, our country ought to be lovely, Edmund Burke said. To be citizens again, Americans of all sorts must rediscover their country's loveliness. That stand on behalf of America took not only courage, but also a certain justice. Another of Donald Trump's unsung virtues, which he expressed in very American terms. When you open your heart to patriotism, there is no room for prejudice. That's how Donald Trump put it. He got little credit for such virtue, but they are present amid the hurly-burly, the distractions, the mistakes, the tweets, the investigations, the exhaustion, and the shrewd public policy of the administration. Yeah, that's a great line. When you open your heart to patriotism, there is no room for prejudice. I love that. Let's close the show on that note. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson. God bless you. Class dismissed.